Psalm 119, verses 11 through 16 is where we will begin. The scripture says, I have treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. Yahweh, may you be praised. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I proclaim all the judgments from your mouth. I rejoice in the way revealed by your decrees as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and think about your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. May Yahweh bless his word to our hearts today. Beautiful passage there. So today, according to my understanding of the scriptures and history and astronomy and nature, is the first new moon of the year. And that not only means that Passover is in two weeks, but it also means that we have a new beginning and a time to evaluate our lives. I think that we should always seek to evaluate our lives before the Father. But the biblical new year, along with the feast of Passover and unleavened bread, is a set time that he gives us. We don't make that up. He gives it to us on his calendar. And it gives us a time to do some serious evaluation and to maybe think about some things that we haven't thought about in a while. We have the opportunity to look at our lives and remove not only the leavened bread from our homes, but to remove the old leaven of malice and wickedness from our lives. We are to keep the feast not just with unleavened bread, but also with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And so, so far this season, I've talked about why I keep the Passover. And then I talked about how that we should sanctify and purify both physically and spiritually for the Passover. And then last Sabbath, I talked about how that we are commanded to bring a gift to Yahweh for the feast and not to show up empty-handed. Now, I begin today by reading a text from Psalm 119 about the word of Yahweh. These verses are specifically about His law. The word law is the Hebrew word Torah, and Torah is best translated into English not necessarily as law, but as teachings, instructions, and guidance. So we profess to believe in the word or the law of Yahweh. We say, yes, Yahweh's law is good and wise. We sing the song from Psalm 19. We sang it today. The law of Yahweh is perfect, converting the soul. But I want to ask you the question today. How often do you sit down and read his instructions? We have a privilege today that few in history have had. We have Yahweh's word right here at our fingertips in multiple translations, able to be freely read in the comfort of our own homes. The word that we say we want to hide in our heart, the word that we say is a lamp to our feet, The word that we say we want Yahweh to make us alive with or quicken us by, it's available to us now like never before. We're under no threat of death from reading it. We don't have to hide in a cave and dig up one small copy of a few chapters of Scripture that we stashed away because we were afraid that it would be taken away by the authorities. We don't have to do any of that. Yet how often do we sit down and read our Scriptures How often do we sit down and read the instructions or the teachings of our Heavenly Father so that we know better how to obey Him? Psalm 119, verses 56 through 57. 
This is my practice. I obey your precepts. Yahweh is my portion. I have promised to keep your words. As believers, we are not to live by bread alone. We do live on food, but that is feeding the natural man. The spiritual man feeds upon every word that proceeds out of the mouth of Yahweh. After Yeshua fasted for 40 days and nights, Matthew chapter 4 tells us that he was hungry. You would be too if you fasted for 40 days and nights. And it was at that time that the tempter came to him. And the tempter tempted Yeshua to serve and honor Satan rather than to serve and honor Yahweh. The very first temptation that was brought to Yeshua challenged him right where he was hungry at. The devil said, If you really are the Son of Yahweh, then command these stones to be turned into bread. You know Yeshua could have done that. He could have commanded the stones and turned them into bread. He had the miraculous power to do that. Wouldn't have been any more difficult than Prophet Moses turning the rod into a serpent in the presence of Pharaoh by the power of Yahweh. Yet Yeshua did not fall prey to Satan's schemes. And the way he didn't is by saying this, It is written, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of Yahweh. In other words, he was telling the devil, I don't live by bread alone. I live also by the words of Yahweh. Notice that Yeshua pulled strength from the written word. He said, it is written. And then he quoted the word to the devil. And he quoted the law. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3. He knew it was written because he had learned the scriptures as a boy and a young adult. Remember, he did not begin his ministry until he was 30 years old after he was baptized. Yeshua did not have a Bible like we have a Bible. Yeshua probably didn't even own his own scroll of the Old Testament, but he was taught the Scriptures by his parents who may have owned portions of Scripture, but it's not likely because they were poor. And he attended synagogue each Sabbath day, as his custom was, Luke 4.16, where the Torah scroll and the scrolls of the prophets were kept. And the reason he attended synagogue every Sabbath day primarily was to listen to the reading of the law the teachings and the instructions of Yahweh. You know, if you do a study on the holy convocation, it actually goes back to holy reading, not to negate the other parts of the service, but the most important part of the service is the reading of the Scriptures, the reading of the Word. And Yeshua would listen as He attended synagogue service, even as a little child in His David's age, and then as He grew up like Elijah, and then He got to be in, in His 20s, he would listen to the reading of the Torah and he learned the Torah and he probably had much of it memorized, if not all of it memorized. And he was able to withstand against the devil's devices because he knew the written word. He had it hidden inside of his heart. He knew that he lived not on bread alone. Psalm 119, verse 89 and 96 says this, Yahweh, your word is forever. It is firmly fixed in heaven. Verse 96, I have seen a limit to all perfection, but your command is without limit. If Yeshua needed the written word to sustain Him and to combat the devil's schemes, why do we think that we don't need the written word to sustain us? 
Why do we think that we can even go one day without reading His Word? How do we think we will stay alive if we do not feed upon the bread of Yahweh? The Word of Yahweh. It is amazing that some claim to believe the Bible, but rarely ever read the Bible. We have a book here in front of us that Yeshua didn't have, like we have. We have a book here in front of us that we say that we go by. This is our standard, this is our life, yet we do not read it. Why? Why do we not take more time to read the Scriptures? And then when we are finished reading it, read it again, and then read it a third time, and then a fourth time, and so on. Maybe it's because we come up with excuses, and we think that He'll understand our excuses. One excuse you might give to Yahweh is that you are just too busy to read His Word. Never mind the pioneers of America who worked much harder and longer days than we do. Never mind the Christians in our nation in the 16 and 1700s who farmed for a living, chopped wood all the time, fed and took care of multiple animals, cooked from scratch, sewed their own clothes, went to fetch water with a hand pump, sometimes without a hand pump, in a well, and they did a host of other things that we don't even have to worry about because of modern technology. Never mind those people who at the end of the day huddled around a small piece of wax that they managed to get just enough money to buy, and then they lit that wax, and then they opened up a small tattered Bible that they somehow got their hands on because they couldn't go down to the Lifeway or to the Walmart and buy a Bible. And they considered it precious, and they would not go to sleep or would not wake up without taking the time to read the Word. Never mind those busy people. If you think that you're too busy to read the Bible, then you might pray to Yahweh something like this. You might say this, Father, please help me to read your Word because I have been much too busy to do so for a while now. I have my own work to do and my favorite TV show to watch. I have football I have to watch. And then there's the shopping I want to do. Don't forget that hunting season is here and I also have to check my Facebook and my Twitter and my Instagram multiple times a day. I've just been too busy to read your Word, so I probably won't be reading it today. So help me change my heart to love your Word. At least that prayer would not be a lie to Yahweh. Or maybe you find the word too boring or not understandable. Some people have told me that. I don't understand it when I read it. It's interesting how that when we want to understand something, you know what we do? We take time to understand it when we want to. There's been many musical pieces that took me multiple times and many months to get the hang of. There's been many songs that I've performed at concerts that I've rehearsed hundreds of times, and some of them, believe it or not, thousands of times. The same chords, the same vocal arrangement, even where my face turns this way and that thousands of times. Why? Because I wanted to master the music. If there's a computer program we need, we buy it, but we may have to take the time to understand the ins and the outs of that program. And if we want to understand the program, we will take the time to do so. And we'll concentrate on it. And we will teach ourselves how to work that program. Do you know the same goes for Scripture? If you're a believer, a saint, then you should want to know and understand the Word. And if you don't understand it the first time through, then you read it again. 
And if you don't understand it the second time through, you read it the third time. And what you missed on the third time, you won't be as likely to miss on the fourth time. And what you didn't quite get on the fourth time, you will get better on the fifth time, and so forth and so on. And you continue to read over and over every day, sometimes the same blocks of Scripture, because you want to understand the Word of Yahweh. The more you read, the more you comprehend. And it's all because as a believer in the Word of Yahweh, you have a desire, a strong desire to understand His Word, His holy, precious, righteous, perfect Word. But if you are intent to remain in that excuse that the Word is boring and just too difficult to understand, then maybe you can pray this prayer to Yahweh. Dear Father, I love your word, but I don't read it because it is boring and difficult to grasp. I have not really dedicated myself to reading it because after the first few chapters or books, it just did not seem worth all that effort. I won't be reading your word much because of this, and I think that you should have inspired it in another way. I sure wished you would have made it easy enough to get on the first time so I wouldn't have to spend so much time reading and studying. So help me to love the word that I see as boring and difficult. There again, at least you will be praying honestly to Yahweh if that is the excuse that maybe you have. He already knows your heart, so be honest with Him. Psalm 119, verses 103 and 104. The psalmist says, How sweet your word is to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, Therefore, I hate every false way. In 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17 we read that Paul writes, All Scripture is given by inspiration of Yahweh and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness, that the man of Yahweh may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. We cannot expect to be perfect, complete people if we're not reading the perfect, complete Word. We will not know doctrine, we will get no reproof, we will get no correction, no instruction in righteousness, and we will not be furnished unto all good works if we are not daily in the Word. Psalm 119, verse 105 says, Your Word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Just a few verses down in verse 111, David says, I have your decrees as a heritage forever. Indeed, they are the joy of my heart. Churches today say that they want a revival. But the Bible really never speaks of revivals the way that modern preachers speak of revivals. The closest thing to a revival or a camp meeting in Scripture is the annual feasts. Those really are Yahweh's planned revivals every year, three times a year. And they are here three times a year to help us evaluate what we're doing with our life and to be encouraged in the faith. Now, the new moons and Sabbaths, they're wonderful. They should be observed and they should be honored. But the annual feasts are put here by Yahweh to get us together corporately in a special way for a special observation, a special celebration that only happens three times a year. They stir us up to love and good deeds. How many feel that way? I know I do. Every year we have the Master Supper and we keep the Passover and then 
Pentecost comes and then later on Tabernacles comes and we spend pretty much all week together during Tabernacles. And I've had so many brothers and sisters come to me at the end of the feast and they'll say, you know what, Brother Matthew, I feel like I've been plugged into a spiritual outlet during the feast. I got the juice that I didn't have, but I needed. That's why the feasts are here. They're Yahweh's revivals. We don't have to set revivals. Yahweh set them for us. We just obey. We do what He said. That's His camp meetings. They remind us of how much Yahweh loves us, how great a deliverance He's given us in times past. The Passover reminds us of the exodus from the land of Egypt. And now in the new and the better covenant, He's delivered us in and through the blood of Yeshua, His Son, our our Passover lamb. But the main way that we will see revival of bringing back to life in our personal, family, and church life is by all of us getting back into the Word as we should. You say, Brother Matthew, I'd like to see that in the congregation. Get back into the Word. If all of us do that, I guarantee you Yahweh will work in a mighty way. We cannot expect an outpouring of knowledge for the assembly if we're not daily in His Word. We cannot expect a mighty move of Yahweh's Spirit if we're not reading His book, studying His book, and meditating upon His book every day of our life. This path is a way of life. It's not just serve Yahweh on the Sabbath day. It's not just serve Yahweh when it's convenient. It's not that we have Him on a shelf and we pull Him out when we need Him. This path is a way of life. Every day that we wake up and even go forth to our secular work. In that we even serve Yahweh. It's a way of life. We obey the law of Yahweh in in that area too. We do ourselves an injustice by not reading His Word and then thinking that He's supposed to move on us mightily at Sabbath service one time a week or an extra time a month on the new moon. Sometimes Yahweh does still move mightily for us. But it's not because of us. It's in spite of us. And because of His great compassion and mercy. Psalm 119, verse 160 says, The entirety of your word is truth, and all your righteous judgments endure forever. The Bible as a whole should be read over and over by the saint. But today, I want to place the focus on the first five books of the Bible. Genesis through Deuteronomy, this is known as the Pentateuch, the books of Moses, the law of Moses. This part right here that I'm holding in my left hand, the first five books of the Bible. This is where Yahweh teaches and guides us in how we ought to live our lives, right here. Not to the neglect of the rest of the Bible, I think it's all important. This is the foundation for the house. Any instruction that you find from Joshua to Revelation is going to be founded and grounded right here in these first five books. This is the foundation. There are about 187 chapters right here in the English versions of the Law of Moses. The average person can read 10 chapters in these books in less than 30 minutes. At most 30 minutes. Even if you're a slow reader like me, I've timed myself, you can read 10 chapters slowly in about 30 minutes. Some people less. That means that you have the ability to read the law of Moses as a believer in the law 
the law that Yeshua, our Messiah, loved and obeyed. You have the ability to read this law all the way through every 19 days. Every 19 days. We'll just say every 20 days to round it off. And that's only taking 30 minutes a day. That also means that if you really wanted to, you could read the first five books of the Bible, the inspired instruction manual given to you now, given to you directly from the Creator. He gave it to you directly from Him through His servant Moses. You could read His instructions all the way through about 18 times a year. And that's only reading for 30 minutes a day. If you just take 30 minutes of your time, if I just take 30 minutes of my time, 30 minutes that you would spend doing whatever it is that you enjoy that really isn't a necessity. I know sometimes I'll get caught up on Facebook and I'll spend 30, 40 minutes just catching up on what everybody's up to. Or I'll get an email and I'll read that email and I'll spend 20, 30 minutes on that email. Or I'll spend 20 or 30 minutes out in the yard shooting the breeze, as we say, with somebody as a friend. 30 minutes is not really that long of a time. And I ask you, and I want you to just evaluate yourself. Don't worry about anybody else. You worry about yourself. When is the last time that you read the law, the first five books of Moses in completion? Or the prophets in completion? Or the gospels in completion? Or the entire New Testament? Now, if you're saying right now, man, this sermon is aimed right towards my heart. You are probably right. But don't worry, because I venture to say that it's aimed towards all of us. Psalm 119, verse 36 and 37 says this, Turn my heart to your decrees and not to material gain. Turn my eyes from looking at what is worthless. Give me life in your ways. I want you to imagine an earlier Christian, back in the days before people had Bibles as readily as we do. In the days of and before William Tyndale, who was really the mastermind behind getting the Bible in the plowman's language, the old English language of his day. Imagine one of those people coming forward in time and seeing all of the Bibles that you own and they're overwhelmed with joy as they see what a blessing it is for you to possess all of these Bibles in your language and on your bookshelf in your home. What a blessing, Matthew. What a blessing, Alan, you have here for all these books. This is wonderful, they say. How many times have you read it through? They say, they ask. What would your response be? Well, after being a saint for so long of a time, I've basically been a believer my whole life. I don't, I don't ever remember a time that I wasn't a believer in the Scriptures. I was blessed to be able to re- be raised in it. But after being a saint for so long a time, wouldn't it be great for you to be able to look at them and smile and say this, Well, I read through the law 18 times a year. I also read through the Gospels nine times along with the prophets one time and the Psalms once. And I read it every day for at least 30 minutes, sometimes 60. And usually on Sabbaths and New Moons, I read it 90 minutes. Wouldn't that be great to tell them that? 
And then they probably give you a hug and say, boy, you really consider it to be a blessing. But could we say that to them? What would they think if you said this? Well, I pick one up every now and then, and I read a few verses. I hadn't read it much this week, and I haven't read it all the way through since I first became a believer. I'm just too busy with work and my favorite movie. I've got to watch that movie 19, 20 times. I like it so much. And besides, it's too difficult to understand for the most part. But don't worry, I still love it. Don't worry. I love it. I treasure it. I'm afraid our actions would be deafening compared to our words. And I am afraid that they might even question our salvation. Psalm 119, verses 5 through 6 says this, If only my ways were committed to keeping your statutes, then I would not be ashamed when I think about all your commands. Now, I'm not here today to leave you in a state of despair. As a matter of fact, I want you to know this. If during this sermon that you have felt conviction in your heart and sorrow in your soul and repentance in your stomach, and you've thought in your mind, Oh, Yahweh, I'm sorry for neglecting your word. If you've thought that, I want you to take heart, my brother or my sister, your sin is now forgiven through the blood of the unblemished lamb. Yahweh forgives you. And I'm here today to not leave you in despair. I'm here today to encourage you to begin something fresh in this new year, this season. I'm here to exhort you that you should not remain in your sin of not reading Yahweh's instructions or the rest of His book. Now, I want to do something as I close today for this congregation whom I love dearly and to whom I would not speak like this if I did not love you. My dad used to spank me, Brother Ron. And every time after he would spank me, he would give me a hug and he would say, from a little boy, he'd say, Son, I'm doing this because I love you. I didn't think it was true at the time. But when I got older, now especially, the older I get and the older my children get, and it's because we just we learn with age. That's just it takes time for us to learn. Okay? So I'll be 36 this year, so I'm older than I was last year. The older I get, the more I appreciate my daddy's discipline. I do. And the more I'm thankful that he loved me with the rod of correction. He could have just let me do anything that I wanted to do and never got on to me for anything, but he didn't. He didn't. He loved me. He loved me, not just in his lips or his words, but with his actions. I speak a message like this today because I love all of you, not because I'm wanting to bash you or because I want to leave you in a state of despair, but because I want to convict and rebuke with the sermon and put a fire, build a fire up under you to read the Word and cherish the Word and treasure the Word more. I'm trying to love my neighbor as I love myself. I'm trying to do that. Well, I want us to take the time as a congregation to read together each week four chapters from the first five books of the Bible. Now, I'm encouraging you to read a lot more than that in this sermon. And you should on your individual basis. But I want to get us starting anew as a body, as a congregation, on learning the instruction manual, the books of Moses, better than we've ever known it before. 
And so I'm choosing to lead you in four chapters a week. I'll explain this in just a second. Because I believe that we need to first retain what we're reading. I could ask you to read four different chapters every day. And we'll do that together. But sometimes when we do that, we get bogged down and just read to be filling up time. I don't want you to take this sermon. This is what I don't want anybody to do. Don't take this sermon and think, i got to go cram read to catch back up and fill up enough time. You may not retain if you try to cram read. So I'm not asking you to do that. What I want to ask us to do as a body is to read the same four chapters every day for a week. All of us together beginning this week, and I'm going to lead you by example, so I promise to read Genesis 1 through 4 every day this week, maybe more than once a day, but I promise to do it at least one time a day. And I want all of us to do that this week, every day, Genesis 1 through 4. If you do it when you wake up, when you go to bed, you read those four chapters. Then the next day, you read those same four chapters again. And the reason we do this is because you're going to have seven days to read the same four chapters, and you're going to become acquainted with them chapters and learn those chapters better than you've ever known them before because you're concentrating on one block or text of Scripture. And this way, we'll all be feeding in at least one of the same pastures. We'll know. I'm not just reading Genesis 1 through 4, but Brother Ron is too this week. And the next week, Genesis 5 through 8, and Brother TJ's reading that too. And that way, if I meet up with Ron or TJ, or if we come to Sabbath service, we've all been reading that block of Scripture all week long, and we may have a testimony about it. We may have a brother or sister say, you know, I saw this in that passage that I've never seen before. And we'll know what they're talking about because we've been reading it too. We've been grazing in the same pasture, see. Four chapters a week will get us through the first five books of the Bible in one year. And then maybe next year we can take a different approach. But this is the approach I'd like for us to take as a congregation this year. Now, as you read and you reread and you study and then you ride down the road and you meditate on what you've read, those verses will become a part of you. And I promise you, I promise you, you will begin to understand some things that you have never understood before because you're taking the time not just to read but to concentrate on a text and to understand a text. And you know what? Revival will come. And it will come at the right time and it will come with the right method. Revival, when I grew up, revival was a lot about hooping and hollering and running around the church and things like that. And that's how the Holy Ghost was shown in the church. But revival is not about hooping and hollering across the sanctuary. Revival is not about me working up your emotions for an hour or so and making you sweat good. And then you get through with the service and you think, boy, that was a great service, boy, you know. That's not what revival is about. You know what revival is about? Revival is about learning and growing in the Word of Yahweh. Learning His instructions better so that we can obey Him better. Remember, anytime we study about obeying Him, we're studying about how to love Him. This is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not grievous. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, that's in the New Testament. Revival is about living off of every word that proceeds from His mouth. So that way when we are tempted, we do pray, lead us not to temptation, but how many know we do get tempted from time to time? And when we get tempted and the devil tries to come with us with his schemes, we say, it is written, devil. It is written. And we're able to quote Scripture because we know Scripture. So I have a chart here. David, I want you to hand out this chart. I have a chart here you can fold up, you can keep in your Bible. 
I'm going to hand out one of these charts every new moon service. And as a congregation, we'll be covering four chapters of reading and studying each week. That means 16 chapters of reading and studying each moon or month. And that's on top of whatever you're reading as an individual. I also, too, if you want me to text it to you, I think I posted it to my ministry page on Facebook. If you want me to text it to you, a picture of it, I can send you a text so you have it on your phone. Sometimes that's more convenient for you in this day and time. But you can stick this paper in your Bible and you'll have it there. And I want you to remember, don't just read these chapters tomorrow and then be through. Take time to read these chapters, these four chapters every day. This week will be on Genesis 1 through 4. And meditate upon them and think about them as you drive or you walk or whatever it is you do. And if you don't have a personal Bible, then take one here from the church. That's what we get them for. Grab one from the church or buy one that's easier for you to read. I'm here if you need me. I can recommend a few different good reading translations. I don't recommend all of them. But there's some good ones out there. And if you'd rather one that's a, a little bit more your vernacular, I can recommend a few different for you for excellent reading. And I want us to begin this season fresh and excited about reading the Word of Yahweh, see, the books of Moses. And then we will watch the fruit that His Word bears in our lives, personally, familially, and as a congregation. You're going to see... From us doing this, you're going to see fruit is going to start coming forth like never before because we get serious about reading His Word. May Yahweh bless His Word to our hearts today and for this entire year. Let's stand and close in prayer. Hallelujah. Dear Father in Heaven, help us to hide Your Word in our hearts so that we might not sin against You. Through reading, we memorize. Through memorizing, it becomes part of us. We're able to quote it. We're able to quote it when we cry. We're able to quote it when we have a bad day at work, when we're going through a trial, or when somebody's sick. We quote Scripture because it encourages and builds us up. When a brother or sister calls and they need encouragement, we don't just give them our words, we give them your words. Let us hide your word in our heart. I pray that this message through your Spirit, would convict and rebuke where needed. I'm sorry, Yahweh, for me not having read your word as I ought to. I apologize, and I ask you to forgive me. Help me to cherish and treasure it more and spend time in it. Let me not just love you with my speech, but let me love you with my actions. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for the blood of the Lamb. Bring us back here next week and we'll do this all over again. I pray these things through your holy child, Yeshua. Amen.